Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, 9.30 a.m., Daylight savings time. Oh, God. Oh, please, everybody in the United States, please write your senators and House representatives and state legislatures and tell them to stop. This is this is not right, man. Changing times twice a year uh, is I not it's not good man it's, it's i don't think it's healthy i think it mess i think it messes people up more than than we realize um <clears throat> it's uh march the 20th 2019 this is episode 74 of bitcoin and and i got a pretty severe daily train wrecked for you uh with a little bit of a little bit of musical stuff going on there and uh we'll do the we'll do the the normal stuff we'll get into some vitals uh, we'll talk about uh, Forbes saying that Bitcoin is dead again for the millionth time. It's like a freaking zombie. It just keeps getting up. Anyway, so uh, and we got some news. We got, you know, we got the usual stuff. So let's get into it. Uh, I got a uh, Bitcoin magazine article here from Christopher Tulsi. Israeli court rules against one-size-fits-all Bitcoin ban by bank. An Israeli court ruled on March 17, 2019, that banks can't enforce a blanket ban against all accounts linked to cryptocurrency. Instead, the court said, banks need to consider the specific type and scope of crypto-related activity before determining whether or not to open an account. The case involved a lawsuit begun in May 2018 by Isra Miners, a Bitcoin mining company based in Ukraine, against the Union Bank of Israel. The bank refused to accept deposits into the company's account and ultimately shut the account down because much of the money in the account was related to Bitcoin. Who would have guessed? The bank's position was that allowing crypto-related activity within accounts that it managed put it at risk of facilitating money laundering. As a result, it decided as early as 2014 to refuse to provide services related to virtual currencies. The bank argued in court that it had notified the supervisor of banks, the Israeli government agency that oversees the banking industry, of its policy and was not told that it would pose a problem. However, in a March 17th, 2019 ruling, Judge Limor Bibi wrote that the bank's policy was too broad, according to the Israeli newspaper Calcaltis. Uh, Calcalist. Calcalist. Uh, it is unreasonable, he wrote, for banks to adopt a sweeping policy under which they ban all activity related to Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency. That said, Bibi also wrote that banks are within their rights to refuse to provide services for customers operating in the crypto economy if a bank has a legitimate reason to believe that the customer's right 
or customers might be seeking to launder money. In short, then, the court upheld the right of banks to refuse to provide services for crypto-related activities if they might violate the law. But banks can't ban deposits or accounts simply because they involve crypto. Broadly speaking, the ruling aligns with the recommendations released earlier this month by Israeli, <clears throat> oh, sorry, Israel's financial regulator regarding the crypto economy. The report encourages the government to support crypto <clears throat> companies while emphasizing the importance of disclosure and oversight of crypto activity. Well, now, that sounds like a circle jerk. Uh, I mean, not really. It, you know, if a bank, I, I here here's the deal. I mean, in if we could trust that human beings made decisions based on actual facts instead of facts, sentiment, and a need to do X in the future, then you know, then this makes sense because of, you know, in that world, if a bank says, "Look, we really think this guy's money, you know, doing money laundering," for you know all these reasons. And they present that to an outside body and then the outside body basically gives their blessing and, you know, does the, you know, makes the mark of the cross and all that and says, go forth child and do your thing. Then, yeah, but that's not what's going to happen. I don't think, I mean, I, I would hope, but I don't think, I think at this point it would basically be the bank just saying, oh, we think he's, we think this person's doing money laundering. So we're going to kill the account without any proof, without anything. So in essence, that's why I'm kind of thinking this might be just a circle jerk is that, the, you know, I, the, the judge, you know, is, uh, who knows, maybe he's, maybe he's angling for a job at, at Coinbase or something like that. I don't know. In, in either event, it sounds good on the surface <clears throat> as to whether or not it will be upheld by the banks in the spirit in which the ruling was made will, you know, has yet to be seen because there's, there doesn't seem to be a prescription by the court as to how the, the banks will look at an account and determine whether or not they have enough evidence to ban it. It sounds to me, according to the way Christopher Tazi wrote it, is that the bank can just, all they have to do is write a letter on their bank letterhead and say, we think he's, you know, this person is laundering money, so we're going to close the account. So, you know, <clears throat> there you go. I got another one from Bitcoin Magazine, again by Christopher Tazi. Bitcoin accepted as payment option by major U.S. electronics company. Avnet has become the latest major enterprise to begin accepting payments in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency. On March 19th, 2019, the company announced that it will allow customers to pay for goods and services using Bitcoin and, oh God, Bcash. It's written Bitcoin Cash, but we all know what that means. Crypto payment processor BitPay uh, will facilitate the transactions. I'm going to hold up right there for just a second. Uh, BitPay and Bcash are not good players in the crypto space. You can go find out why for yourself simply by doing Google search for things like BitPay and look at their history. I think most of us know the Bcash history, but if you don't, you, you, we got to, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that a couple, you know, other, I think other podcasters are going to start getting into the history. Peter McCormick is uh, at what Bitcoin did is doing a great job 
getting into the history of some of these things. If you haven't seen his coverage of on the Mount Gox uh, stuff, worth it. Totally worth it. What uh, I really like what Bitcoin did and what Peter McCormick is doing. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm not hoping it looks to me like he's getting really interested in the archeology span sector of Bitcoin. And I think that that's great, man, being able to dig out why things are the way they are, uh, from the past or now because of past actions, I think is really important because the way this industry moves so fast and so far, uh, every day is, is like, it's, I don't know, every day is like a, you know, a week or almost like a month. It, except today, today's actually kind of slow. But for the most part, this thing moves so fast and so far that it's hard for anybody new to keep up. Hell, it's hard for people like me who've been in for four years to even have a hope in hell to catch up. So if you're wondering why I'm uh at BitPay, I can't do it now. I may do it later. Like I said, I hope other, you know, uh, podcasters in Bitcoin will kind of also pick up the uh, history angle. Moving on, founded in 1921, Avnet is one of the oldest major American electronics companies with more than 15,000 employees and a net income worth of $250 million. It's also one of the country's larger technology firms. Today, it's business centers around helping to design and manufacture electronics for other companies. On Tuesday, Avnet announced that the companies it works with can now pay for their goods and services using Bitcoin and Bcash. The new payment options are available immediately. Sunny Trin, the company's vice president of demand creation, told Bitcoin Magazine in an email. He added that the company has already closed several multi-million dollar transactions using cryptocurrency. Quote, our customers have been asking to pay in cryptocurrency and we listened. Bitcoin gives our customers added flexibility and we are excited to offer our customers the option to pay with Bitcoin or Bcash. Trend said, Avnet's decision to begin accepting Bitcoin and Bcash reflects an effort to make it easier for businesses to purchase goods and services from the company by giving clients one less challenge to worry about during the difficult work of bringing new products to market. Quote, we recognize that cryptocurrency would help our customers overcome the competition and challenges they face every day in taking their ideas from design to production, Trend said. And we listened to our customers who said they would like the option to pay for our products and services with cryptocurrency. Quote, cryptocurrency is one more way we help our customers bring their products to market faster, he added. Sunny Singh, chief commercial officer at BitPay, expressed a similar sentiment. He wrote in a statement, quote, I predict Avnet will attract many new blockchain-focused customers from around the world that want to take advantage of paying with Bitcoin. The idea that accepting Bitcoin is important for generating new business is notable, especially coming from a century-old blue-chip enterprise. So far, most of the companies that have taken the step of accepting payment in Bitcoin have been younger and smaller. This trend has found its way to Switzerland as well. Digitech and Galaxis, an online retailer akin to Amazon, has also started accepting cryptocurrency as payments. 
Coin, Coinify will act as a payment processor for the website, accepting Bitcoin, Bcash, Ether, Litecoin, and other notable altcoins, and immediately converting these funds into Swift, Swiss francs for the retailer. And I actually have that story uh, up here in a little bit. Um, yeah, again, ah, you know, BTC pay server, people. Uh, totally replaces BitPay and you don't have to be associated with one of the worst actors in the space. Um, yeah, sorry, BitPay. Uh, you, you did yourself a permanent disservice. Your reputation is just not as you're working with you guys is just not kosher anymore. Next up <clears throat> the block. Yeah, you know, I've I've seen the block getting uh getting kind of slammed on Twitter, um, uh, you know, because they're offering a very very high value ticket price of getting full access to their sites. You know, meanwhile, if you don't have, I, I don't know what the subscription is. I think it's like twelve hundred bucks a year. You know, plebs like us, yeah, you know, we're not going to pony up twelve hundred bucks, man. We got bills to pay. We got like you know mortgages and stuff like that. You know, if you know a business that really needs the news, I can see twelve hundred bucks isn't you know it's not that that's that's nothing. Plebs, on the other hand, yeah. So I, I get why people are kind of miffed about it, but you know. They got to pay their bills too. So I'm going to cut them some slack and get into this one that says Binance to offer cash for Bitcoin gateway via 1300 Australian newsstands. <laughs> this should be interesting. The world's largest crypto exchange, Binance, is marking its debut in Australia with the launch of a cash to Bitcoin service, Binance Lite, according to a press release. KYC verified Australians will be able to make an order for Bitcoin before depositing cash at one of the 1,300 partner newsstands across the country for a 5% commission fee plus tax. Uh, the statement added users will eventually be able to buy other digital currencies in cash using Binance Lite. Binance's CFO told Aussie crypto site Nuggets News that Australia would be a pilot before extending Binance Lite across the world. The country's infrastructure and crypto enthusiasm should prove a faithful, a fruitful environment for one of Binance's first non-digital on-ramps. Nuggets News CEO Alex Saunders called Australia, quote, the most crypto-obsessed country per capita. I'm not exactly sure if that's true, y'all. <laughs> Hmm. Estimating that it's 24 million citizens make up 10 to 20% of the total global investment in the space. The new launch marks the continent's first fiat to crypto gateway. So we can think about that what we want, but that's another adopt. It, I mean, it's another adoption gateway people, you know, I mean, even the, even the, that last story with, with BitPay, you know, BitPay is not a good actor in the space. You know, most of us know that. That that's my stance, but if I just divorce myself from that for just a second and a half, it's another avenue of adoption, and it really is all about adoption. It can be done in better ways, but adoption is adoption. It's sort of that there's no such thing as bad press kind of thing. Anyway, so that's going to do it for that one. Next up in the stack is again from the block. 
Swiss retailer Digitech Galaxis launches cryptocurrency payments. We just heard about that. One of the largest Swiss online retailers, Digitech Galaxis, has introduced cryptocurrencies as one of the available methods of payment, the company announced in a press release. Customers can pay in Bitcoin Cash, ABC. Oh, God, they actually wrote it out. Customers can pay in Bitcoin Cash, ABC, Bitcoin Cash, SV, Ethereum, Ripple, Binance Coin, Litecoin, Tron, Neo, and Omizgo for purchases totaling more than CHF200, approximately $200. Quote, cryptocurrencies are fascinating and likely to become a relevant means of payment in e-commerce. We want to support this development, said Oliver Heron, CIO and co-founder of Digitech Galaxis. The company has developed the new payment method. I'm sorry, I'm laughing my ass off over here. It is really hard to keep keep my, fa- my voice straight here. <clears throat> the company has developed the new payment method with Datatrans AG, who cooperates with crypto payment provider Coinify. After selecting the payment method, the customer who chooses to pay in tokens will be redirected to the Coinify page. Although Digitech Galaxis itself won't charge extra for crypto payments, Coinify charges a uh, 1.5% via the conversion rate and may charge additional transaction fees. Jesus, you just, I mean... Just right out of just, I mean, it's like just kicking the door open and, and coming out in a clown suit. That's exactly what that is. It's like, we're going to pick the absolute trashiest crap to start up with. I'm sorry, but every single one of those coins. And yes, I own some Litecoin. I mean, out of all of those, like, you know, probably because I own Litecoin is probably why I'm going to say this, but Litecoin is the least scummiest trash of all of those. They are all crap. They are all centralized. Some of them are are led by people that that rightly belong in straitjackets strapped to a freaking wall and fed by plastic spoon for the rest of their natural born lives because they are crazy as shit, man. So good luck, Digitech Galaxis. I wish you all the best. Uh, this is going to be one of the times where I, where I say that this is not good for adoption because when, the, when most of those coins blossom into the festering piles of crap that they really are. And most people understand that because they have blossomed into festering piles of crap. Yeah. I make a, I make a run for the exit on this one. Uh, let's see. Last news story up in the stack is going to be Forbes calling, calling the death of Bitcoin again. And Billy Bambra, Billy Bambra. He writes, blow to Bitcoin as researchers warn of genuine exchange problem. (sighs) Bitcoin and cryptocurrency exchanges, many of which have been the subject of scandals over recent years, have struggled to win user and regulatory trust. With trade volume and price manipulation, an ongoing concern of traders and regulators. How about that gold? The Bitcoin price, which is down some 80% from its all-time highs of near 20,000, has repeatedly faced accusations of manipulation. How about that gold? With a long-running bear market causing a bitter crypto winner, 
to grip the sector over the last year. Now a report is warning that much of the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency trading volume on some of the world's largest exchanges may not be genuine. <gasps> With researchers from startup <clears throat> the Thai finding almost 90% was questionable. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency data researchers, after analyzing internet traffic on the top 100 crypto exchange websites, found that 75% of the reported trading volume on exchanges were more than double expected. Meanwhile, almost 90% of the exchange volume could be false. To carry out the research, the tie compared the near $600 weighted average trading volume per user visit at leading crypto exchanges, including Binance, Kraken, Coinbase Pro, and Gemini, and applied it to other smaller exchanges. <clears throat> Sorry, exchanges. It found that some exchanges like BWZBG, BitMax, and LBank were reporting trading volume that was 10 times higher than expected, though <clears throat> at U.S. exchanges and the multi-based Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, had trade volumes in line with those reported. Quote, our team set out to determine whether volumes reported on cryptocurrency exchanges were genuine, the tie said via Twitter. The chart below shows reported trading volumes per exchange versus monthly web visitors. While exchanges like Kraken, Binance, and Coinbase show similarities between viewership and trading volume, others like Coinbean and ZBG, God, I've never even heard of those, have suspiciously high reported volume versus views. Some notable outliers were BitMax, LBank, BW, and ZBG, which had extremely high reported volumes, but expected volumes which in some cases were less than 1% of what they reported. If each exchange ex averaged the volume per visit of Coinbase Pro, Gemini, Poloniex, Binance, and Kraken, we would expect the real trading volume among the largest 100 exchanges to equal $2.1 billion per day. Currently, that number is being reported at $15.9 billion. Artificially boosting exchange volumes can make it appear that there's more demand for Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies than there really is, making it difficult for legitimate traders and investors to gauge interest. There were limitations to this report, including some of the aforementioned, but the point of the exercise was to show those exchanges that appear most suspicious and to start a greater conversation around wash trading, transaction mining, and liquidity, the researchers added. Meanwhile, Bitcoin bulls continue to talk up Bitcoin and cryptocurrency prospects with the founder and chief executive of crypto asset manager Galaxy Digital Mike Novogratz saying the next move Bitcoin makes will be higher. Novogratz, add, Novogratz adds his voice to other Bitcoin and crypto wealthy including, including billionaire Binance chief executive Sheng Peng Zhao, EOS, EOS co-founder and Block One CEO Brendan Bloomer and the billionaire Winklevoss twins of Facebook founding fame who went on to create the U.S. Gemini Crypto Exchange, who have said they still have strong faith in Bitcoin and crypto despite the downturn and are betting prices will move higher. Oh my, is that just... You know, I don't even, I don't even know what to say about that. Be because some shitty ass, uh, like, yes, there is a, a truckload full of shitty ass exchanges. We, they've always been here. There's more now than there were. Tomorrow, there will be one more. The day after that, there might be 12 more. Hell, I don't know. These things are popping up all over the place. Yes, they're all shitty. My God, Quadra CX, or Quadriga CX is just now, it's just gone. Everybody's money is lost, right? So 
the fact that these people are wash trading should ap- come as no surprise to anybody, I guess, but Billy. I don't know why he 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 seems genuinely surprised that the, the why my God wash trading is going on. Yeah, well, where you you know Mount Gox had a whole bunch of wash trading. Nobody could. I, I don't even know if it was ever even really proven. As far as I can tell, everybody's still trying to figure out the Willy Bot stuff. You know, like the bots that were trading back and forth. I don't know if anybody was actually ever able to prove that. I'm sure it happened. Wash trading is part of the game. It doesn't mean that it's right. It does mean that it's part of the ecosystem and you're not going to do anything about it. There's probably wash trading everywhere. In fact, I would, I would gather that there's probably wash trading in major markets and anybody who's list, if anybody listens to this, that is has, like is a veteran of major markets, probably laughing their ass off, pointing at the radio going, well, duh, but apparently the United States government is okay with it because if you think that they don't know what the hell's going on on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, you're at least know enough to figure out that there's probably some chicanery going on. They seem to be good with it. And you know there's chicanery going on. Come on. I mean, Jesus. I just, to equate this story with as it's not a blow to Bitcoin. It's a blow to whoever is going to be in charge of these exchanges when they go down the toilet, unless they exit scam everybody and fake their death, which I still think the quadri, I, you know, Quadriga CX founder yet to see a body. If I don't see a body, it, I'm sorry. They, they say he was now they say he was cremated. Oh God. It, anyway. So I, I don't know. This isn't a blow to Bitcoin. You want it to be a blow to Bitcoin, but it's not. Bitcoin doesn't give a shit. Bitcoin is what Bitcoin is. The fact that somebody wants to wash trade it, that's their own freaking, that's their own crap. It has nothing to do with what happens to Bitcoin itself. It does affect if you use those exchanges if you trust those exchanges with your private keys, that's where it matters. It's not a bl- it's a blow to the user. It's a blow to uh, the trust of exchanges. Not a blow to Bitcoin. Sorry, pal. Sorry, Billy. Just that. Nope. Nope. Bitcoin not dead yet again. Okay, so uh, a couple of a couple of uh, stragglers here. I want to point out Novak has a tweet. <clears throat> Uh, at NVK. If you don't know who Novak is, he's the the dude behind Open Dime and Cold Card Wallet and um, <clears throat> chief radio operator for Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, in, in, anyway, Novak's got a uh, tweet out there. Uh, Bitcoin has practically succeeded at decentralized sound money. To me, the next challenge is decentralizing Bitcoin's communication networks. Bitcoin's resiliency is only as strong as its capability to be transmitted and out of band verified. Working on it. And he is. So let's let's get in. I, I just want to pull that what I I want to pull apart what I think he's he's talking about. Um I think, you know, I'm pretty sure that this is a you know, a, a subdued response to Francis Coppola's um ridiculous statement 
about the, you know, Bitcoin needing electricity. Well, you know, Francis, so do flashlights. What are, in, in either, you know, in either event, um, and this is, you know, what I talked about on Monday was, and it's, it's nice that Novak is saying this because of the whole, uh, you know, I was talking about open dime. You know, the, the whole issue is, is that <clears throat> there are a whole bunch of people that are working on other aspects of Bitcoin, not exchanges, not getting retailer adoption. They're not working on, you know, BTC pay server. They're not working on like all kinds of stuff. What they are working on is a parallel network that can rail Bitcoin and Bitcoin payments without necessarily needing to see the chain or the, you know, to be on chain all the time. And open dime is one of the very, very, very first instances of uh, that kind of technology coming. Cause basically you can put your Bitcoin on a stick, like a USB stick and give it to somebody else. And as long as they hold the physical stick, it's like me giving somebody a $10 bill. I'm not getting that $10 bill back. I mean, I give it to a friend of mine and that friend has that $10 bill. I, I can't spend it because my friend has it and he's gone. He's like left. You know, I owed him 10 bucks for beer, gave him a $10 beer or uh, bill. He walks out the door. I, I don't have that $10 bill anymore. Whoever he gives that $10 bill to understand, looks at it, understands it's a $10 bill, takes it for goods and services. The same thing is happens with this stick. It is only when you break that stick, there's a transistor that you pop out and it changes the circuitry of the board to basically say the private keys are exposed. And then and only then do you need the chain to sweep the funds into either another wallet, well, actually to sweep the funds into another wallet. As long as it's on the stick and you can verify that that stick's private keys have not been exposed or compromised, then the Bitcoin that's on that stick can be passed physically hand to hand for as many times, as many times as it takes. And here's the fun thing. You can verify what's on that stick with a battery powered, handheld, palm sized reader. When you put that thing in there, it says, here's how much Bitcoin is on this stick and it doesn't need the chain. Because the the whole assumption of needing the chain is completely broken by the fact that you the, the private keys are here. You, the reader can't read the private keys. The reader can only say, this is how much Bitcoin is on the stick. The reader will power that stick. And if those <clears throat> if those uh private keys have been exposed by by disturbing the circuitry via popping out a transistor. Then, then the stick will let you know that its private keys have been compromised. And that means that you don't touch that stick. You don't touch it. It's like, nope, nope, nope. Because at that point, if somebody was able to get to the chain, they could sw- they probably swept the funds, just assume that they swept the funds and that there's nothing on that, on that stick. At the minute that thing blinks or whatever it does that, that physically tells you that it's been compromised, you just walk away. If it's not compromised, then whatever's on that stick is on that stick because it hasn't seen the chain. In fact, that's a really that is a really really nice way to to uh, th- that's a really nice feature and not a bug about the open dime is the fact that as long as the private keys are not 
sullied, you'll know. And that means that the next person who knows about this technology will know. So I'm going to stop the open dime discussion right there because I, I want to do an entire show, just nothing on open dime, a couple of other uh, technologies that basically are off chain. But, you know, Novak is one of the people that is uh, trans, uh, broadcasting Bitcoin transactions via radio. Uh, I think he's doing it. I'm not sure if he's he's not. I don't think he's doing it with ham. He's doing it with a uh, another type of radio, like JC8 or something like that. I can't remember what it is. But it is being transmitted over radio, not over the Internet. As long as you got, you know... In, in the worst case scenarios, like in Venezuela, if you got some gasoline and a generator, a battery bank, you know, that you've got, you know, enough battery power, you, you can do this stuff. You're not going to be able to mine, but that doesn't matter because if a uh, solar flare hits half of the planet and takes out the entire grid on half of the planet, the other half of the planet is still going to be able to function. It's going to suck and to tell you the truth, if half of the world's power goes down, I get the feeling we're not really going to be worrying about what's going on with Bitcoin because we got bigger fish to fry. Anyway, so that that is all I'm going to say about that. But uh, if you don't know who Novak is, you can give him a follow on Twitter at NVK. Jameson Lop has the last uh, dubious honor of being the top of the stack today. You can follow Jameson at L-O-P-P. But, 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 my mining death spiral narrative. What's he referring to? Uh, he's referring to a, uh, a tweet from a badger, uh, Bitcoinster, at Bitcoinster, says, Bitcoin hash rate is now over four times greater than when BTC price hit its record high of nearly $20,000 in December 2017. Okay, they, just, just think about that for a second. When we were all ape, you know, aping around and, and you know, like making funny noises and going yee-haw, you know, in, like in the run-up to uh, the <clears throat> December of 2017, it, and that thing popped to 20,000, we had only 25% of the hash power that we have now. That puts it at roughly 12 exahashes per second, and we're probably going to be looking at 40 to somewhere between 40 and 50 exahashes per second. Let me just see if that's right. Yeah, we're at 51.4 exahashes per second right now. So the, so we had 12.5 exahashes per second. Yeah, 12.5. Yeah, 12.5 exahashes per second in December of 2017 when the price of Bitcoin was $20,000. Now we're four times that. We 4 x that. Wow. Wow, 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 double wow. Okay, so anyway, that's that's going to do it for your morning roundup. Speaking of exahashes, let's get into your Bitcoin vital statistics. And we've got it at an average of 4,024 whoop de doo sweet, man. It's actually popped uh, $4,000 on all my screens for the first time today. 
Uh, okay, so uh, average of $4,024.89. It looks like the low is going to be over at Simex at 4001 and looks like the high is going to be at HitBTC at 4021 So there's only a $20 spread? Oh, no, no, no. The high is Bitfinex at 4100 Okay, yeah. A $100 spread seems, seems kind of average now. 281,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, which has sent a total of 1,371,000 BTC, with an average being sent per hour of 57,000 BTC. That gives us an average transaction value of 4.8 BTC and a median of 0.067 BTC, which is of right around 270 bucks USD. Block time is low at 9 minutes and 10 seconds, with the average fee per block being taken at 0.14 BTC and a total reward over the last 24 hours of 21.8 BTC. As I said earlier, the uh, hash rate is 51 exahashes per second. Actually, it's 51.5 exahashes per second, which is a 3.64% rise in the last 24 hours. And the last GitHub commit is late. Wow, still. Uh, They haven't updated it since Monday. So, yeah, the 18th of March was the last... GitHub commit to the code base. Anyway, so Ethereum is at 138. Litecoin is at 60. Bcash is 158. BSV is at 66. Ethereum Classic is at 4.5. Dogecoin is at 0.002. And with, yep, with uh, 26,757 transactions made over the last 24 hours, Dogecoin is still in the lead over Bcash and BSV combined. However, Bcash has made uh, it has a, a much larger transa- uh, transactions. It has twenty thousand five hundred transactions over the last twenty four hours, which is unusually high. I'll just leave it at that. That's going to do it for vitals. Marty's Bent is for Tuesday, March 19th, 2019. This is issue 443. Fundamentals, they're important. He's got a uh, tweet up from Tur Demeester. MOGA, make ossification great again. Seriously, because of constant generational renewal, there's a continuous need to learn and teach the value of immutable principles that help make the convival order peace a reality. Ethics and law will forever be boring and foundational. <laughs> let's see. Let's see what Marty's saying about this one. We're we're big fans of getting back to basics here at the bit. And when this tweet from Tur Demeester flew down my tweet deck yesterday, I thought it would be an interesting topic to touch on this morning. So here we are. In a world that finds itself in the midst of historical paradigm-shifting inflection points predicated on the technological innovation and productivity gains afforded to us by the Internet and the tools it enables, it is easy to get lost in the sauce of the hyper-pace of change. Things are changing at a speed which our monkey brains have never experienced at any point in human history. We have hit warp speed, going from a fairly disconnected world in which access to information and certain communication channels were luxuries afforded to people in power, to be to a hyper-connected world that allows billions of people to connect, interact, and conduct commerce with incredible relative ease 
at an extremely affordable price. This change has affected us in such a profound way that it seems as though, to me at least, we have found ourselves in a very confused state, attempting to describe something unfolding in a way that no one man or woman could ever coherently articulate. Some are becoming so confused that they think this change in new tech presents an opportunity to rewrite, re-architect millennia of compounding effects created by social evolution anchored around certain ethics and natural laws that we have historically come to agree upon so that our societies maintain social scalability. I believe it is one of the utmost importance that we understand the history of humanity, the conversation around natural law and ethics that has been evolving since the time of Socrates. One can learn a lot from the lessons of our predecessors and the ongoing conversation that has led us to this point. Ossifying principles like the right to private property, the concept of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, freedom of movement and thought, and the importance of the triumph of merit and logic over feeling and force has allowed us to get to this point as a random species on this grain of sand floating in the open universe, if space is real. As the pace of change continues to go parabolic, it is important we attempt to inject these boring principles into the technologies we build and use. Extrapolating this to Bitcoin, you know, (laughs) you had to know I was bringing it here. I believe having certainty that it will one day get to a point of relative ossification, serving a very specific function very well with as little change as possible is something we should be and are striving for. This will give us the best chance of scaling this system to the masses because it provides the most certainty. Instead of focusing on adding the latest bells and whistles, Bitcoin is committed to providing a service with certain levels of guarantees in regards of security and privacy that are sufficient for a scalable native digital money. Final thought. That took me a lot longer to articulate than I expected. Not even sure if it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, Marty. You did a good job on that, man. That's some, that's a really high quality writing, bro. Um, it's, Man, not bad, Marty. Not bad. Torchlight. 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 Let's see what's going on with the torch. Okay. Um, The latest that I've got was from a couple of hours ago. This is the Crypto Marxist at... Marxist crypto on Twitter. He says the LN trust chain remains safe and sound in Somalia, but due to some fee issues, time zones and other delay, it remains stuck an apt metaphor for its host country. Anyway, uh, hold not Brian trolls, Bitcoin, Nepal, the next invoice I receive gets the torch where to next. And then he goes on to say, uh, and it was, seems to be f- Fairly, yeah, fairly fast. Uh, he, uh, his next tweet after that is, and the LN trust chain has just been passed from Somalia to at Lorenzo underscore Luzi. Thanks so much to Hodelnot for this awesome opportunity. I keep mispronouncing that. Sorry, Hodel, sorry, Hodelnot. It's Hodelnot, not Hodelnot. It's ah, whatever. Uh, thanks so much to Hodelnot for this awesome opportunity to be part of history. This level two solution is not perfect, but this experience demonstrates the potential. 
Hoots to all of the devs. Peace out. Nice, nice. So Somalia, that's pretty sweet, man. Because yet Somalia is like another, you know, I mean, not not to denigrate the people of Somalia, but come on, man. I mean, it's like some of these countries that the, that the torch has been through is are just like some some really rough rough parts of the world, and it's gone through some really really elegant and you know uh, not so dangerous parts of the world. It's like Bitcoin's kind of immutable. Oh. Wait, yes, it is immutable. It's also impenetrable as well as damn near indestructible. I mean, the, you got the torch that's just being passed from person to person to person to person. The I, I don't I don't except for the first two times that the torch was extinguished, even in some of the roughest parts of the world, this torch is still lit. I I don't know, man. I think that that's really important to note. Last up for torchlight's going to be from uh, Hodelanot himself. Says now that we approach the finishing line. Should we make one last push to try and make at Elon Musk pick up the LN trust chain torch or should we just concede or, or should we just concede that it didn't happen? Okay. Uh, and that, that's actually a poll. Uh, I, I voted we can make it happen. Uh, right now it looks like the poll is sitting at 70% that we can make it happen and 30% it wasn't meant to be. So guys, especially you Bitcoin plebs out there, part of the taco munching crew, uh, get on the horn, start, you know, get back to, to tagging Elon Musk and everything that says, you know, LN trust chain, you know, just to see, I mean, you know, we're not going to lose anything. It's not like we're going to get all hurt out of it. So if you got some time today or the next few days, Tag Elon Musk in everything. Maybe just like just tag Elon Musk and LN Trust Chain. No matter what you tweet out, maybe maybe that would maybe that would work. Just flood his you know flood his notifications if he's if he even has them on with his name, his Twitter handle, and uh, hashtag LN Trust Chain, and that's gonna do it for Torchlight. Okay, so daily train wrecked. I got a special one for you today. Not, uh, it's not you know, these aren't designed to bring you news. You already know about Craig Wright getting getting the boot from Twitter, and then getting his brand new account that he started right after his other account got uh, trashed. Uh, uh, it getting suspended almost immediately, and so yeah. I'm not going to get into the whole thing because uh, there's a specific thing that that he's saying that really needs to be brought to light. But we'll, I'll give you just a you know a couple of tweets um, about this you know about this this poor broken man that is Craig Wright. Uh, fake Toshi Bot says, and this is at Bot Fake Toshi. Fake Toshi Bot editors note. That's all from me, at least for a while. I didn't expect him to nuke his 60,000 followers all because of a little bot. If you think I did the world a service by decreasing fake Toshers following, please consider buying me a beer. 
And he gives his uh, Bitcoin address. Uh, note to bot fake Toshi, might want to consider uh, getting a tippin.me account so that I can tip you directly on your tweet. Um, and I would be more than happy to buy you a beer that way. Um, <laughs> it's just, I mean, if, if you don't know, uh, at Prof Faustus, which is the original account, Twitter account for Craig Stewart Wright, uh, has been uh, nuked. Now, I don't know if he nuked it himself or if Twitter nuked it. Uh, he's got some things to, to say, but he's not, we're, we're, we're not sure. I mean, he's saying that Twitter deleted his account. It, from the run-up, uh, to it, some of the things that he was saying uh, made us kind of think that he nuked his own account, and I—that's I, what I believe. I, I think Craig nuked his own account, started another account, and then Twitter suspended it almost immediately. Uh, why I—I I, you know I, I can't I don't know, and I, I truthfully I don't give a shit. I really don't. Um, I don't have to deal with this crap anymore. Um, but. Uh, when he got all of his stuff deleted, I was like, oh, well, he's still, you know, he's still got a medium account. So I went over there and dug up this little nugget. And sure enough, yesterday, March 19th, he, he wrote the, he wrote a, uh, one of his blog posts and I, I clipped this part out and it says, Twitter has decided to suspend my account. <clears throat> it is part of their attempt at allowing systems that bypass security controls and act illegally and criminally to promote agendas such as the promotion of securities by unauthorized parties. Twitter is funded by people such as those using XRP and the sham Bitcoin copy or airdrop BTC that is funded by the mostly criminal group Blockstream. <laughs> One of the bots in particular is directly coded by and linked to Blockstream. It is part of their fraud propagating a false version of Bitcoin that is designed to allow lightning purely to bypass security controls and logging as required by the bank secrecy act and to enable a system that doesn't log on chain. Jesus. Uh, you know, wow. Just wow. Um, God, the mostly, mostly criminal organization Blockstream. I think that's, that very well may be defamation. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we'll, 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 let's can, let me continue. So that was, you know, part of his medium post. So I, you know, I think he's ranting now, now we come to what is going to be the actual train wreck of this entire thing is that the good doctor who is a mathematician, a coder, uh, a marketer, um, and uh, apparently he's also an economist, um, a cryptographer, um, I don't whatever else his 40 Bob's backyard university degrees are, uh, but now he's a lawyer. And if you haven't noticed over the last month, he's talked more about law than he's actually talked about the fundamentals of cryptography or mathematics or any of the other bullshit that he used to spout off. No, no, no. Now he's a lawyer. Now he's Craig Stewart, right, Esquire. Okay, well, the good doctor apparently doesn't even know how to do basic research on articles of incorporation. That um, have been 
intentionally bypassing the privacy controls in Twitter. Privacy allows you to block people and it allows you to um, um, also go private. Now, that is an important right. There are privacy controls in the EU. There is privacy legislation in the EU. And in the EU, privacy is considered a fundamental human right that is sacrosanct. Breaching it is a criminal offence. It's rather bad over here. Now, the interesting thing is Twitter is not American. Twitter may have uh, offices and developers over there, but for tax reasons, they form themselves in Ireland. That makes them part of the EU, and they are covered by all of those provisions in full. Now, the interesting thing in, in all of this is I have a right to privacy. Like that or not, the irony in all these people saying that they want anonymous coins for more privacy is they're hypocrites, utterly in hypocrisy. They want power. They use this to say we're doing it for more freedom. There is no freedom or expression in anonymity. Only freedom in pseudonymy, privacy. And you don't get privacy by bypassing. These security controls are there to allow people to be to have trust, to believe that they can have relationships with other people without secrets being shared, without their information being broadcast. That is what privacy is about. And you shouldn't have to go out there and Exhibit 1, Restated Certificate of Incorporation of Twitter, Inc. Article 1, Name. The name of the corporation is Twitter, Inc. Article 2, Registered Agent. The address of the registered office of the corporation in the state of Delaware is 3500 South DuPont Highway, City of Dover, County of Kent, Delaware, 19901. The name of its registered agent at that address is Incorporating Services, LTD. Article 3, Purpose. The purpose of the corporation is to engage in any lawful act or activity for which a corporation may be organized under the Delaware General Corporation Law of the State of Delaware. Delaware. That's Delaware. This is dated November the 17th, 2011. Uh, The date of filing of its original certificate of incorporation with the Secretary of State was April 19th, 2007. Uh, And just to further this, the the guy that was in there doing this was the the signatory here was Richard Costolo and he was one of the original founding members of Twitter Twitter is not incorporated in Ireland it is not part of the United Kingdom it is not part of the European Union 
It is a United States company incorporated in the state of Delaware. And this guy says he's a lawyer. I don't know where he got his lawyering degree or where he ever argued in court and, you know, went to go lawyer or whatever, but he can't seem to do simple searches that would be, you know, requisite of any first year intern as a law clerk. I found this in 10 seconds. Articles of Incorporation, Twitter, Inc. Boom. Right here. Where is this from? This is from the SEC.gov. The Securities and Exchange Commission has a tendency to, oh, I don't know, keep records when companies incorporate. <clears throat> I mean, that's the, the, the real tragedy here is the fact that we got this guy who's got a wheelbarrow full of degrees and can't do basic research. Twitter has nothing to do with Ireland unless they have, you know, they may have a company, you know, some company offices over there, but that's not their home territory. They are a United States company and the United States is probably not going to give shit one if Craig sues Twitter, you know, because at one point or another, he's going to have to prove standing and, I don't think he's going to have it. I really don't. I, I don't think he's going to have any standing whatsoever at all to be able to sue Twitter. And why is he suing Twitter? Because fake Toshi bought, and I don't even know why he's picking on fake Toshi bought or bought fake Toshi. There's like Satoshi Nakamoto bought. There's a whole bunch of other bots that basically had were constructed to follow Craig Stewart Wright because he blocked everybody on Twitter except the, the people that would kiss his ass. So if anybody wanted to see what Craig Wright was doing, you either had to go to a uh, um, to a private window in your browser and go to his account, but you couldn't like anything, you couldn't say anything because you wouldn't be logged in as your your account. And the minute you did, you wouldn't be able to see it because that you know you're blocked. Most of the time, that that's why these bots arose is so that, you know, they're like, oh, well, he's blocked everybody and he keeps saying shit, so we might as well go ahead and, and copy what he's saying. And there, there's the rub, apparently, to, to the good doctor is that people were literally copying his tweets and sending them out. So he's going to sue fake Toshibot, good luck, and he's going to sue Twitter. And, I, you know, it's, it's kind of sad watching somebody, you know, uh, just dig themselves this big of a hole uh, because I get the feeling if he actually initiates these lawsuits, what's going to end up happening is that he's going to pay. For, he's going to have to pay for all of the legal fees when when <laughs> when this thing fails. He's not going to. He's not going to be able to successfully sue Twitter. He's not going to be able to successfully sue fake Toshibot. He's not going to be able to successfully sue anybody who retweeted him. Okay. That's the, the guy has lost every imaginable scrap of marbles that he ever had. And that's going to do it for your daily train wrecked. Man, it's terrible joke corner, and it's ah, uh, I 
We need it. We we need it. We need a good bad joke here. So uh, as usual, your good bad joke comes from Bad Joke Cat at Bad Joke Cat on Twitter. How do you find a blind man in a nudist colony? It isn't hard. Do I really need to say anything else about that? That's it. I'm out. And I hope you guys have a really, really good rest of your week. It's hump day, so it's it's almost over. Um, I don't know what else. I I, I just don't. I'm still kind of reeling from the whole Craig Wright thing. I'm, I'm just not understanding. But. As a final parting note, I do I, I do think it might it, I think it's important to note that we might be seeing the final washout of some of the really ugly parts of uh, shit that's been haunting all of us for a long time, and I hope that that's what's going on. I really do. I, we need to wash some of this shit out. That doesn't mean that new shit ain't going to come in. So you know, be prepared. Other than that, I'll see all of you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.